Put the heat to bring on the nigga finger, little bitch. Ooh. I just pick so I'm trying something new today. Um, I'm gonna do this podcast on Facebook Live, and I'm gonna start using videos because I got a new camera. So I think that's a a good way to get people to I don't know visualize the podcast because I've had a thousand people tell me, "Hey, bro, you gotta start doing videos. You gotta start doing videos." Well, hey, look here. How about you come be the camera crew, man? If you want me to do all these videos, I want you to be the camera crew. I want you to record. I want you to edit. I want you to do all this hard work that it takes. I'm a one-man production right here trying to run a multi-thousand dollar enterprise over here called Big Baby Productions, a.k.a. Big Baby Love the Kids, a.k.a. The Little Ringer, a.k.a. I'm just making up stuff right now. But hey, 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 it's the... Big motherfucking baby, and I'm back. And hi, Facebook. Um, I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know what? I got to do this podcast, man. I got a bunch of topics to do today. I'm gonna be like really professional today with it. Um, I. So, I don't have really any question segments uh, for today like I normally do, but let's run down what I want to do. I want to talk about a little bit of politics, just a little bit, Uh, the feminization of the black man, the elite trying to tell us what to do, Mm, uh, you can't judge a book by its cover, Uh, some relationship stuff, because I always think that's fun, Uh, young nigga church. Uh, the word female, Oprah and Gail, two females that most of us don't like right now. I've been telling y'all about them. A little bit about the Super Bowl, um, some some football, a little basketball stuff, and uh, some trade deadline a little bit. But you know, it's not a sports podcast. So let's just hop into it. So, as you all have been following, most of you have, at least, you've been following the whole presidential thing, and, you know, that's dope, man. I, I appreciate y'all for, uh, for doing that. I, I think it's important that we, as, as citizens of America, are aware of what's going on. A side note, I'm watching LeBron and them, so don't be mad at me if I'm, like, if I start yelling at the game, too. But anyways... So you, you, you got the impeachment thing that's been going on, and then obviously you had the State of the Union this week. Uh, we all have our different opinions on that stuff, but I don't really want to focus on on the content of either one because, honestly, I didn't listen to the State of the Union because I really didn't care. And I, I followed the impeachment enough, but I, I just thought the whole process was flawed. So, again, I don't want to give it too much of my attention. Uh, but here's what I want to talk about. Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is one person who I think came out of all of this stuff, uns- I won't say unscathed, but he came out with his dignity. He made a decision that was unpopular. And if you don't know what he did, for abuse of power, he voted to remove president from office. Again, I don't have an opinion on it because I, I-, I don't have all the facts, but when someone who has access to all the information is not afraid to make an unpopular decision to vote against his party 
And I, I think that's to be applauded because so many people voted with their party, whether they believed it or not, both Dems and Republicans. And everything has become so, so just one side or the other that we're losing the essence of our democracy. We're, we're not making choices. The voices of the people aren't being heard. The voices of the people are being forced into left or right, up or down. And that's just not life. There's so much nuance. And so often, we on social media, and the same thing happens. We, we, you left or you're right. You love me or you hate me. And life is not that. It's, it's deeper. So I just want to say shout out to Mitt Romney because he felt compelled by his faith, by his morals, by his ethics to make a decision uh, that was unpopular and could have him removed from office. And when you have people who do things like that, those are the people who you respect. Those are the people who you should vote for. And those are the people that you want to have in office. Uh, shout out to my T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Got my little cheese eggs going. Uh, anytime I do these podcasts, I'm going to try to wear some of my merch or somebody else's merch that I, I'm wearing because uh, you know the vibes, right? <laughs> and, and, and so... Nancy Pelosi, she ripped up the paper after the State of the Union, and y'all was like, yes, Nancy, yes, yeah. No, 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 no. For one, that was unnecessary. I get that you want to make a point that you thought it was BS. Cool, cool. Rip up your paper or whatever. But I just say to you people who applauded it, how did you, how would you have felt had somebody done that to President Obama? And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. Let me get back to my topics. Enough of this... Okay, feminist, the feminization of the black man. I had way more notes for this. Let me go find my notes. But no, fuck that. So, I, I had multiple conversations throughout the week uh, with friends. And we were just talking about different stuff and the way that society is changing. And one of the biggest takeaways from the conversation was the feminization of the black man. And... I try not to fall into the trap of society and the media trying to manipulate people into believing something that is not true. Now, do I think that we're manipulated by the media? Absolutely, because at the end of the day, they're the gatekeepers to what we get to see. They report on what they choose to report on, not necessarily what is actually happening. Good bucket, AD. So... We get to having these conversations, and it started with the Little Nas X and the Pastor Troy conversation. And I don't know if you saw it, but pretty much Pastor Troy was was talking about Little Nas X's outfit at the Grammys. If you don't know, Little Nas X is also gay, which I don't have a problem with. You know, if you're happy, I'm happy, we're happy. And a good pass, Bron. And anyways, so he was pretty much saying that if he had to dress like that to get a Grammy... I guess he just won't have a Grammy. But Pastor Troy, you ain't made a song since uh, Ain't No More Playing GA. And if you made a song before then, uh, after that, we don't know, we ain't heard it, and we don't really care. But I thought it was disrespectful to Little Nas X because before we even knew he was gay, he had one of the number one records in the country. And I I think that you can be who you want to be. You can live your truth. But to those who think that because people like Little Nas X or I forgot the man's name, Jesus Christ, that's what I meant to look up. Old buddy who's wearing like uh, tuxedo dresses <laughs> on these red carpets and, and, and was on Sesame Street. If we think that is 
feminizing the the black man. No, it's not. It is just giving true reflection of what's, of what's going on because we are now in a society where people who have different beliefs are becoming more accepted. Now, I don't want to get into whether or not you agree or disagree with somebody's beliefs or their lifestyle because nobody totally agrees with anyone's lifestyle. That's human nature. If we all agree with each other's lifestyles, we live the same lifestyle and life will be pretty damn boring, if you ask me. But the idea that we are trying to, that society is trying to force black men to be feminine is just absolutely crazy. Uh, people talk about the way the young thugs dress, the way these different rappers dress in their tight clothes and all of that stuff. Look, man, people have been wearing custom fit clothes forever. Go back and watch Harlem Nights. Go look at some Eddie Murphy movies. Go look at Eddie Murphy's stand-up. The man wore a tight, a tight leather outfit. It's, it's part of society. It's all about, it's all about access to different knowledge, but understanding that, hey, you can be exposed to something and that doesn't define who you are. You can be exposed to something that doesn't really sway who you are. And for people with children who are worried, I can totally understand why you would be concerned about your child being exposed to a lifestyle that you may not approve of or you may not want them to live. But look, man, they got to grow up one day. They have to make their own decisions. They have to be who they want to be. And you can't shield them forever. And there's ways to shield kids from certain things, but there's also a conversation that you have to have. Like, I remember there were things that I, were ex that I was exposed to as a young child, and Sharon was like, look, Sharon's my mom, if you don't know. She's like, look, it's adult stuff, you don't do it. <laughs> and then I didn't do it till I became old enough, you know. So it's establishing those lines and having those tough conversations just so that, you know, uh, your child has understanding, but don't. I don't believe in, in, in raising children in a vacuum and not exposing them to different things. But what the, what do I know? I ain't got no damn kids. I can barely take care of my damn self. <laughs> Dang, man. I thought this was going to go way longer than it is. But let's see. We are still cooking. So oftentimes we look uh, to our elite individuals to provide us guidance. We look at the Jay-Z's, the Diddy's, the Oprah's, the Tyler Perry's, the rappers, the LeBron's, the athletes, the who there, whatever. You get what I'm saying? To provide us, to give us guidance. And I think to some degree, sure, if your goal is to be as rich as possible, you should look at rich people. If your goal is to be an altruistic person, you should look at altruistic people. If you want to be the greatest rapper ever, you probably should listen to some of the best rappers and, more importantly, emulate their process. Make it your own, but find out what they did to make them great and add that to your life, right? But here's what I think we do entirely too much. We take the words of the elite as gospel, especially when they're talking about social justice and woke shit. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can't be a big capitalist and be woke at the same time. It, it just don't happen because so much of what goes into being quote unquote woke, looking out for others who are unlike you, goes against being a capitalist. Because if you're a person who's in the business of making money, you're typically typically going to make money at all costs. 
And if you're making money at all costs, you're probably not making the best decisions morally and ethically for society. You're making the best financial decisions for yourself. So, what, two weeks ago, Diddy does his, uh, his Grammy speech. And he talks about pretty much taking the power away from the Grammys, not giving these 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 academies the they're just due, not they're just due, they're due, not giving them the power that we give them as a society. Yeah, you're right. People shouldn't go to that shit. I, I don't know why you as an artist would go to a group of people who don't understand you or your culture. And expect them to properly award, reward you for your actions. And they don't know the impact of what you're doing. No. But year in, year out, it happens. Everybody goes. You boycott the Grammys once. They made a couple of changes and all y'all come back. They give Diddy an icon award. He gives a scathing speech to him. But what happens? He comes right the hell back. So here's what I say, Diddy. Instead of going and making the speech, skip it. And then when people ask why you didn't go, then you explain why you didn't go. Because if you show up to my party, if you want, if you want to shit on my party, say, oh, your party messed up. You didn't invite this person. You didn't invite that person. But you still come. And the people I wanted to come came. I don't care. It don't mean shit. You can trash my party the whole time you're at the party. But if the party is rocking, who cares what you have to say? And that's my issue with Diddy. And then right after this, Mace comes out and talks about his licensing with his music and stuff. And I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of that because I don't know. I didn't read the contract. I don't know if Diddy fucked Mace over. I don't know. But here's what I do know. When somebody is that rich and that successful, you have to understand that they stepped on someone's back to get there. Whether it's maliciously or not, it's just the way the world works. I just find it ironic that in this time where he's talking about black this, black that, black people, you know, owning our own stuff, you are acting like the oppressor you're attacking. You know, maybe it's worth more to you than what Mace was offering you. I, I know you've made more off of it than he than he was than he was offering. I, I doubt that you will make more off of it than what he offered at this point in time, but I, I don't fucking know. But here's what I do know that you can't talk that woke shit. If your focus is money. And obviously, from what we've been given, his focus is money. So, just miss me with, with, with all of this stuff. And it kind of flows into this next piece, man. Everybody was praising Jay-Z and Beyonce for sitting down during the national anthem during the Super Bowl. For one, who cares? Jay-Z's already let us know where he's at with it. He's about a dollar, and he will try to make things better along the road, I guess. Again, he does great things. I don't want that to get lost on this criticism here. But it comes out later on, oh, no, we weren't sitting down in protest. We were sitting down because we just wanted to enjoy 
what was happening. Uh, we want to enjoy Demi Lovato's rendition of the Star Spangled Banner. Get the fuck out of here, bro. What? Nobody in that damn arena stadium sitting down but you and your wife. Knowing that y'all are two of the biggest stars ever in the world. Probably the biggest power couple ever. Especially the biggest black power couple we've ever seen. And damn it, Anthony Davis is hurt again. And you want me to believe that you all sat down on accident just to watch somebody sing, Oh, see, can you see? Come on, man. You knew that was going to become a talking point. You're more calculated than that. All the moves that you make are calculated. For goodness sake, you and your wife made a al- made albums about y'all's marital problems, but y'all didn't make them until they were already fixed. At least y'all didn't put them out until they were already fixed. And you want me to believe that, oh, you just happened to sit down? Put the bottle down, Jay-Z. Just own it. Either say, hey, I was riding with Cap, which I don't really know if you were. But point being is, we can't look to these celebrities, especially these ultra-rich celebrities, to guide our moral and ethical code. We can't expect them to, to, to be on the front lines excuse me, for many of the issues that affect us because they don't affect them the same way. I'm not saying they don't deal with racism. I'm not saying they don't deal with bigotry and bullshit and sexism. They do. But when you get to a certain status, it doesn't affect you as much. When you're in a situation where your life is funded, somebody disliking you or trying to marginalize you becomes so much less of an issue because you can control your narrative. You can work independently. You don't need the resources that many of us often need from larger institutions to obtain success. So to everyone, I just caution you all when you're taking their advice and kind of transition me into this Gale shit with, with Lisa Leslie. I think this is what I'm going to. And if it's not, that's what the fuck I'm going into. Yeah, I'm going into that right now. Are y'all really mad at Gail? <laughs> Are y'all really mad at Oprah and Gail? Like, they've, they, they've shown us who they are over, I don't know, the last couple of years, obviously. But I, I've been off Oprah since 2010-ish, 11-ish. I, Maybe 2009. I don't remember. I started reading the Oprah, um, Oprah biography. There we go, biography. I started reading his Oprah bio, and I'm just like, yeah, Oprah be lying. Is she full of shit? And I just started saying, fuck Oprah. And I, I, people are like, no, you can't say that. How can you say that about I'm like, because I've read some stuff about her, I didn't like it, and she does not appear to be the type of person that I really care for. <laughs> Despite her success. Despite her doing what I would love to do with my life and have a great talk show. But that doesn't mean I have to like her. But now, you know, all of the stuff is coming out. You know, they tried to relitigate Michael Jackson after he passed away. Sick. 
they Gail did the R. Kelly interview. Um, even though I think R. Kelly is sick, if you think these people have a responsibility to be black first, then, you know, it's pretty damn sick. Um, and then the, 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 the sit down with Lisa Leslie. And then she asked the Kobe question. And then she asked her did she, about, about Colorado. And Lisa was like, you know, I never really got those vibes from Kobe. We went out a lot. And, you know, he was never like that. I mean, there were other players, you know, who would ask me to hook them up with girls. But Kobe was never really on, on that. And so, you know, I don't, I, I just don't think that he did it. And, you know, tr- he, he tried it. And, I mean, they ended up dropping the charges because, you know, she wouldn't uh, testify. Whatever. And then uh, uh, she wants to respond. Damn, I forgot a damn name. What's her name? Uh, 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 Gail. Then Gail responds like, well, you're his friend, so you wouldn't know. Man, get the fuck out of here. If somebody on some rapey shit, you know. Even if it's your friend, you may not respond to it in a way that, that, in a way that you should to like say, hey, bro, you tripping. Hey, girl, you tripping. That's not okay. If somebody is, is, is expressing rapey behavior, you are aware of it. Okay? And then she goes, well, maybe it was inappropriate if I asked this question. Look here, man. You can't ask me a question. Tell me I'm wrong because I disagree with you. And then had a nerve to say, ask me, uh, was this question inappropriate? Mother, you knew what the question was when you asked it. Now, you, you sat down, you did your prep work, you wrote out what you were going to ask, the way you wanted the conversation to go. Usually you have a desired end from the conversation that you're having, and you say that shit. Then you want to come out and clean it up and get mad at the network because they framed it in a terrible way that made it look like, no. A lot of things can get lost in context, because context counts, okay? The context of everything counts. But when I look at that, you ask a question, got it. She gives an answer, got it. You respond to the answer, and then you ask, was this inappropriate? You thought through all of that before you did it because you wanted to ask that question. You wanted a certain answer, and then once you didn't get the answer that you wanted, you wanted to backpedal out. That's what you were doing. And and do I think that Oprah and Gail have like a personal agenda against black America? I don't think it's that calculated. But do I think they are afraid of people in other places? So they pick on the ones that they are bigger than or their conglomerate is bigger than to get a juicy story? To get a juicy documentary? Yeah, I do. But again, when you have people on that level, you can't, ex- you can't expect humanity from those people. You can't. And if you expect a, a, a our level of humanity from them, then you're just sadly mistaken. And that becomes a you problem, not a me problem. You know, that, that's not a them problem. It's a you problem. So just reevaluate the, the respect the, 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 the importance 
of the words that you put on fucking celebrities. They're they disengaged. They live in bubbles. Like, I don't know if y'all saw Lil Wayne's uh, um, Dream Champs interview. But he don't know nothing. Between the drugs and and the ability that he has to live in a bubble, he thought 21 Savage was a group. He didn't know what quality control was. I think QC. He knew the people. He didn't know what TDE was. Top Dog Entertainment. Because he lives in a damn bubble. He's done so many drugs that he forgot stuff. But then with Wayne come out and say something profound, oh, well, you know, little Wayne said, or when he had his comments about not feeling like he was black or some shit. A while back, y'all want to get mad at him. What the fuck you get mad at him for? He's because he, he he can rap good. He he's supposed to have good sense <laughs> because he doesn't live around. He doesn't live around normal people. He lives in a bubble with probably a good number of yes men based on some of the music I've heard. Um, he's supposed to have his. Feet to the ground. You know that the reason why y'all usually like somebody's out first album most, right? It's because when they're closest to us as normal people living life. Same reason, same thing with stand-up comedians. Oh, yeah, I love his old stuff, but then he got all that money. Yes, because when he wrote that stuff, he was living a life more similar to ours. He was experiencing our day-to-day struggles, or he or she, right? Same with the music. So don't get mad at these people. These celebrities for not understanding your plight, for speaking in, in a way that goes against what you think is the the, the, the the way to speak. No, we can't expect that from them. And for the ones who stay grounded, shout out to y'all. We appreciate you all because we need more of you than we do of them. But we can only do so much. And if you're good at something and you're getting paid for it, I'm not going to tell you not to turn to turn down the money. And when you're making that kind of money, you usually have to change the situation in which you're in because you can't be around a bunch of poor people. All right. That was a little serious. Um, Let's see. I was in a bar the other night, and I am totally convinced that EDM is for people on drugs, obviously. But more importantly, I think it is for non-rhythm having white people. All right. Because I was hearing some of that stuff, and I was like, how do you rhythmically dance to this? And he's like, uh, 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 uh. I'm like, yeah, that's for somebody who don't dance. And then the DJs be EDMing some of the hits like, man, this dude played 30 seconds to back that ass up and then wanted to EDM it. Look, bro, don't bring your EDM to back that ass up. Nah, you back the EDM up out of here, man, because we, we, want, we want the thing shaking. You know what I'm saying? Little rump shaker, you know, little hold me up, all that. Maybe get some cheese eggs in the morning. <laughs> but nah, it was just it was just so weird. I'm like, man, I don't know what the hell going on. But it was it was what it was. And it was an old dude in there. He had to be at least 58, 60, getting his creep on. And I'm like, dang, I know I'm in here by myself trying to get my on. You know what I mean? But he, I'm like, fam. You got to know these little young tenders don't want none of you. You know, they in here 25, 26. It was a couple of old things in there, but he didn't want none of them. He wanted something young and ripe for the picking. And old Farmer Jack, he didn't get shit. Walked out with Jack. Anyways. 
Um, and look, women, when you go out to the club, you go out to the bar. I say the bar because if you go out to the club in denim, you, you're dumb. But y'all got to leave that denim at home. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't want no denim twerk. I barely even want twerk at this age, but if you're going to give it to me, I'm definitely going to take it. Now, I ain't going to be no fool. I don't want to be a fool ever. <laughs> but nah, man, look, you, you, I don't want none of that denim twerk. That shit hurt. Now, if I got blue jeans on, you got blue jeans on. We doing all this bumping and grinding. Cause I don't see nothing wrong with it now unless you got on denim. Okay? So you you can't you can't do that. It's nasty. And for you men who accept denim on denim twerk, you're disgusting too. You're too old for that shit. If you can get into a bar, you're too old to get denim on denim twerk. Cause all you're gonna do is burn a hole in your yeah, friction too much. Start a fire out there, you're gonna get burnt. You don't want no Woman or no man to burn you now. That shit hurts. Okay, is there anything else I wanna I wanna get into? Oh Alright, back to serious shit, man. You know you can't judge a book by its cover. So often we wanna judge people off first first interactions and all of that stuff, and we say, oh, you know, a first impression is a lasting impression. Yeah, it is a lasting impression. But but should it be? America, I ask you, <laughs> should your first impression really be the lasting impression? Because how often are you really your comfortable self when you first meet somebody? Fucking never. How often do you have pure interactions with people when you first meet them? Rarely. Why? Because you're trying to fill each other out. You're trying to get to know them. You're trying to get past all the BS and find out who that person is, what they like, what they do, and what they're about. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things you can take away from a first impression, from a first interaction uh, from somebody to, to kind of build a basis on the type of person they might be. But it's nothing, it's nothing to hold your hat on. It should be nothing to cling to. You, you should actually take time to get to know that person. It's just, it's just like a book. You can look at a book. Usually the cover will tell you something about the book. It can tell you a lot about the book. You can even open it up and read the little inside piece where it gives you a synopsis or maybe the back, you know. But until you actually read the book, you don't know all of the con uh, all the contents in the book. And a lot of the stuff you don't get adequate context because context counts. Remember that now of what the book is about. And there's so many small details and nuances that you miss if you don't read it. And a lot of the stuff, you'll, you won't even get it if you read it once. Sometimes you got to read a book two, three times. Read a paragraph two, three times. Read a poem two, three times. To get what it's trying to say. So when you're interacting with people... You got to spend a lot of quality time with people in different situations to understand who that person is because who someone is in public versus some, who someone is in private. Two different people. If you out here shooting or if you out here chilling, and by shooting I mean trying to holler, right? You're a different person. If you with your boys, you one person. If you with a group of girls, you might be a different person. And not to say these, this is you being untrue to who you are, but most of us, 
we kind of, you know, shape shift to our environment to a certain degree. And sometimes we have our guard up. Sometimes we're vulnerable. Some of us are never vulnerable. Some of us always have our guard up. Some of us never have our guard up. But it takes multiple occurrences in consistent situations to truly build an understanding of who somebody is. So before you get comfortable enough with somebody to try to tell them who they are and tell them what they need to work on, you probably should spend a bit more time with them. You probably should ask more questions and make less assumptions. You probably should crack that book open, take a read, take another read, write a book report, give it to the author, and then have a conversation with them. Because if you're just going off your own, your own, your own thoughts and, and, and your own experiences and trying to project it on somebody else, you may be speaking more about yourself than you're speaking about the person. You may not be as comfortable with who you are, so you want someone else to feel the way you feel about yourself, about them, about themselves. I, that may have been confusing. You may want people to feel about themselves the way you feel about yourself. You may not be happy with who you are. You may not be happy with your flaws. You may not be happy with the shit you're good at, right? And somebody else may embrace themselves. They may embrace their flaws. They may embrace the person that they are and they're trying to become. And you, you, you can't knock them for that. You can't, you can't try to psychoanalyze everybody. Look, motherfucker, you ain't no therapist. Ain't nobody here to sit on your couch. Unless you're going to sit on top of me, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's not what we're here for. You're not getting paid too much an hour to tell me stuff that I probably already know about myself and I don't want to realize. And then when I tell you something, don't tell me I'm wrong because you don't, you don't know. Gail. You don't want to be Gail. Telling people what they know and what they don't know, man. Hell up out of here. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Yo, so I thought it was an interesting post on Instagram. And let me see if I can actually pull it up. Because, you know, that's that's one of those things that I do. Um, let's see. Anthony Davis hurt his hand during... Um, during uh, the game today. I don't know if he's came back in. Yeah, he's back. That's good to know. Let's see. Is this the post? All right. So I saw this post almost a week ago, right? Here we go. If forcing sex on your wife is rape, then going shopping with your husband's car without his knowledge is robbery. Am I communicating to someone? Well, hopefully you're not communicating to anyone because hopefully neither is happening. But me, the rational human being that I am, I know both are happening. So let's get to the uh, the, the sex part first. Look, man, it, uh, sex is a beautiful thing when two people come together and they do it the way that they both agree to do it, right? I should say they both consent to do it. So just because you're married to someone doesn't mean that you have 100% consent all the time. Now, we like the man in me would like to believe when I look at my wife and say, hey, baby, I'm trying to get busy. She going to say, yeah, every single time. That's what I want to believe. I see you, Bron Bron. 
that's what I want to believe, but I'm a rational human being. I've had a girlfriend before. I've been around women before. It was like, oh, yeah, we going to, you know what I mean? And they have to be like, no. And I'd be like, damn, maybe she's my girl. I'm feeling this way. At the same time, I've had a girl be like, hey, you trying to, you know what I mean? And I'm like, mm, not really. <laughs> not often, but it happens. So if a person is not wanting to have sex with you, I don't understand why you want to have sex with them anyways. Girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, whatever the case may be, life partner, fuck buddy, you know? Why would you want to be sexual with somebody who ain't trying to be sexual with you? It ain't no fun if the homies... No, no, that is actually not fun if the homies can have some. I ain't on that no more. I'm grown. But it's no fun if, if, if two people don't want to do it or however many people you're doing it with. So... But trying to draw it to spending a spouse's money without their permission being robbery, I think it's different. Because for one, usually, ideally, when you enter into a union, right, two becomes one. Two bank accounts become one. Two phone bills become one. Two homes become one, you know. You, you, you bring your stuff together. So, ideally... Again, I'm single, not married. You put your money into a pot and his money becomes our money. Her money becomes our money. You know what I mean? So the idea of somebody spending money being robbery and quitting that to rape, I think is wrong. But here's where I see what they're trying to get at here. Okay. There should be a conversation before major Purchases are spent. Do they fit? If, if it's something that does not fit within the budget, right? You set your budget. You have your play play budget, and you have your, your you have your uh, your uh, you know you you have your your typical bills that are getting paid. Now something is gonna dip outside of the typical budget. It does not matter whether or not you can afford it. If it dips outside of normal expenses, you should probably have a conversation about it. And if you want to be uh, want to be like well, to the T it's still if, if if you have separate bank accounts and you're using the other bank account that you're not putting into could it be robbery I don't fucking know are you taking someone else's money yeah but again I'm of the belief excuse me for being optimistic okay bro excuse me for being optimistic though that when you join with somebody y'all have a joint financial situation whether it's joint bank account, whether it's, you know, even if you have your own, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money and how to spend it, but I'm just going to say that you, you know, that y'all should, hell, if you're living together, you got the same last name, y'all can have the same damn dollars. But what do I know? I'm single. So I, I just thought that was an interesting conversation that probably shouldn't be a conversation because even if it is robbery, Rape and robbery are two different crimes, especially uh, when it's not armed robbery and somebody's like putting a gun in your face. Um, and to try to make that equivalency, I think, is irresponsible and is really uh, insensitive to rape victims. All right, let's get back to these here notes. Let's get back to the notes. I'm actually going to get back to paper notes because... When I be transitioning with these phone notes and be like looking up stuff from the phone and then coming back, it just don't hit the same, you know. 
tell you something. I do not know how I feel about young nigga church. Yes, I'm gonna call it young nigga church. Um, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. I'm not being disrespectful because I was at church with young niggas. So this past Tuesday night, I went to a it's Bible study, but I wouldn't call it Bible study in the traditional sense of Bible study. It was more like an abbreviated church service, right? It's barely abbreviated. Cause I think it was like seven thirty to nine, so that's an hour and a half. That's that's church preach. And it was a contemporary service, so I, let, me, let me give you some background. I went to Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Cartersville, Georgia, 147 Jones Street, uh, pretty much my entire life. And when I wasn't there, I was at Greater Mount Olive. All right. So I was raised in traditional Baptist churches in the South. And the way you go to church, the way you act at church, the songs you sing, the way you talk is a little bit different than what you see in a contemporary church in California. Now, the content of what you're getting from the service is pretty much the same, but you get it a little bit differently, okay? So I go to the service, and a young preacher, he's like my age, he's like 28, he up there doing his best Kevin Hart impersonation. I'm like, all right, bro, cut out all these jokes. Let's get to the book. Let's get to the good book. I need you to rightfully divide the words of truth. All right. And the first thing that throws me off was, it was actually before he got up there. It was during uh, praise and worship. They were doing some of them contemporary songs that I don't know. You know, I'm a, there's a leak in this old building in my soul. Hang on to me. That, 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 that's, that's what I know. All that other, I don't know it. It's not bad. It's not bad, but I don't know it, right? So, Buddy's up there in his God is dope gear and his and his skinny jeans. You know, I wear skinny jeans. Ain't no wrong with skinny jeans. Up there like Travis Scott, Young Thug, then he just up there and all this. And I'm like, all right, fam, I feel you. I feel you. He would run back to the back of the stage. He would come back up to the front of the stage. He would just start hopping in, you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, bro. I'm not telling you how to praise God, and I'm not going to judge how you how you praise God and, and question your praise of God. So I don't want that to be to, to to come off that way. But I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? I I, I may be the problem with church. Okay. Then then the preacher man again. It's Tuesday. It's not church church. It's Bible study, but it's like a church like format. Preacher man is up there preaching in some Chelsea boots. Tight ass jeans and a tight black tee. Got muscles. I'm like, dang man, I at least, you know, did I wear a t-shirt? I feel like I had on something with a collar. Some slacks. I had on some sneakers because, you know, Bible study. I'm like, dang man, I'm more dressed than you here just about. And you the preacher man. And I'm like, fam, this man is really preaching in a t-shirt. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dang, man, I might be the problem with church. Because I'm so used to my way of doing church that I am comfortable in my way of doing church. 
Now, mind you, I got some notes that we're going to get into that I pulled away from his, 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 his sermon. They were his good sermon. I'm going back, okay? I, I don't want y'all to think that I got turned away. But when you see something that you're not used to, that you may not be comfortable with, you be like, oh, no, this ain't how we do church in my church. Uh-uh, I can't go here at no rose and lamp. Mm-mm, they would not have allowed this in, 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 in Mount Zion. No. Mm-mm. This wouldn't be right. And then you're sitting there like, what did this have to do with anything? We're here to get a message. We're here to work on God. We're here to get closer. We're here to talk to the people in the congregation and share our experiences so we can help them. They can help us. And again, we can get closer to God because eventually we want to get to heaven. And I just really had to sit back and think like, man. I've got to get more comfortable being uncomfortable when I'm worshiping. Because I, you can get so caught up in what you are used to as being worship that you miss your blessings, you miss the message because you care about, well, we don't, I ain't used to this. You need to get used to this, future boys, you know. But we, we got to get out of our, our, our bubble. And, and I was sitting there like, shit, I may be the problem with church because I'm not used to this. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. But I also will say back to Young Nigga Church because a lot of stuff is different in Young Nigga Church. And another difference in Young Church is the message Oh, Dame is still cooking, baby. And the depth of the message. Because oftentimes when you have a more mature audience, and I'm not saying mature in age, I'm saying mature in walk, mature in Christian experience, mature in 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 in, in biblical knowledge and time spent studying the word, messages are are, are different. They, they typically are just as relatable when you get to the core of the message. But sometimes it's a bit deeper and you have to find the relatability when applying it to your life. Because the example used may not be one that is, you know, very much one that is just directly applies to what you're going through. So I'm sitting there and I'm like. You know, this is good for Tuesday, but I don't know about for Sunday. I need some good grown folks church on Sunday. I need Hattie in her hats on Sunday. Um, so but here's some of the, the notes that I, I got from it that kind of drove me here. Um, if you do what you do for me, I don't love you. Oh, talk about expecting stuff from God and feeling like you have to come to the church in a certain way, that you have to have your, your, your stuff together before you can come to the church to, to get your stuff together. And I'm sitting there like really confused. I'm like, well, no, I've never felt that way. But again, I'm speaking to myself because I grew up in church and I spoke to some friends who grew up in church and we felt quite the opposite. 
Because I feel like when I'm out here messing up in the world, when I'm not getting right, if I haven't been to church in a while, I'm like, ooh, leave, ooh you need to church because <laughs> I need some extra attention from the Lord, you know? And I learned from there that people who are less mature in their walk feel like they can't come to God when they ain't right. But it's like, nah, nah, bro, like, it's when you come to get right. It's when you, you come here to help get right because we all sinners, born sinners, right? We're all sinners trying to find a way. So if you listen to this and you ever think that you have to be a certain way to come into church, you don't. Just uh, I pray, uh, just, you know, my request is that you don't come musty. But if you come musty, you come as you are. Like the Lord said, you come as you are. But if you can get in that bathtub, you know, I don't want to smell you while I'm sitting next to you now. I don't want to smell no musty in person while I'm in the church house now. Um, yeah, that's about it from that. But Young Nigga Church is definitely very interesting. I'm looking forward to more experiences there and just to see how I can grow from going, from being in a, in a, in a, in a spiritual a Christian environment, church environment is different from what I'm used to, different from what I grew up on, different from what I like, <laughs> if we're being honest. Um, yeah, but look, don't expect anything from God. He don't owe you nothing. He didn't give you everything you need. So when decisions are made in your life, don't question him. Even if you disagree, you don't like it. And I mean, it applies to like this Kobe and, and Gigi situation. There, there's so many thoughts that can go through all of our heads. But we don't know. Ultimately, it's 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 God's decision, and we have to live with it and know that He doesn't make mistakes. Okay. Um, if you don't, let me see. All right. So I'm about to get into this conversation about um, the word female. Mm. Ain't that a female doll? <laughs> you know, I would never ever. Ever, 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 ever disrespect a woman by calling her. <laughs> Let me stop. So it's been brought to my attention a couple of times that it is disrespectful to refer to a woman as a female. And I was confused. I'm like, excuse me, how? How is it disrespectful to use a term that uh, 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 separates Man from woman, male, female, boy, girl, dude, chick, penis, vagina, dick, pussy, right? <laughs> and for some of y'all, nigga, bitch, right? <laughs> Dog, ho. <laughs> Yeah, I laugh at my own jokes. But, so, I see this and I start asking some people. I'm like, yo, so is it really disrespectful to refer to a woman as a female? And they were like, well, what's the context? Because context counts. Yes, I know context counts. But in the general form of the word, female is disrespectful. And nobody really said, no women said no. But then every man I spoke to about it was confused. Because here's what they tried to say. Was that, well, in the way that you men normally use female, that is disrespectful. And I was like, look, I done said bitch, hoe, harlot, slut, 
um, however you want to put it, so many times in my life that I ain't got to be disrespectful by using a, a, a nice word. And if you know anything about me, the word in which I use does not describe the disrespect. The context in which I use it is what matters. The tone in which I speak it is what matters because context counts. Okay, now? So, I, I, I start thinking. I'm like, well, if, if, if the context counts, when we're using this word, what words can we use? Because if you can't use female, which is not a disrespectful, derogatory word from the root, then what the hell can we call you? Because if I decide to use women and bitch interchangeably, right? What's the difference? It's like, it's like the word nigga, right? <laughs> Hear me out now. If I say my nigga, context, right? We cool. That's my boy. That's my guy. If I'm like, man, this nigga over here, man. It's like, oh, this dude over here tripping. If you go... Hey, what you niggers over there doing? Oh, shit. We're going to have to turn this motherfucker up, right? So that is one word used three different ways contextually, right? And it all has three different meanings. So when you tell me me calling you a female is disrespectful, I'm going to say, no, the fuck is not shut up. You can't tell me that it's disrespectful. Because, oh, that's how you refer to women when you don't want to say women. Sorry, I use synonyms. And all these synonyms ain't negative. Because if you say that context matters, then that means I can respectfully call you a bitch, bitch. They'll be like, oh, shit. Hey, bitch, how you doing, girl? You know, I love you, bitch. Oh, man, you a pretty ass hoe. Yes, you are. I, respectfully, if context matters. If my response is respectful and the context is respectful, then it shouldn't matter, right? Because context, context counts, right? So I say that to say this. Pick and choose your battles, okay? Yes, we know context counts in everything that we do and say. Duh. But to try to make Everything negative, naturally, when it is a normal word that if you look on a darn, if you look on an application, it's going to say M or F, male or female. If it's on a job application in 2020, I am 97.7189% sure that the intent of the word is not disrespectful. All right. But again, what do I know? I'm just a big mother fucking baby. <laughs> so all you bitches out here getting mad about female, pipe down. Okay, let's transition to sports now. Finally, we can talk about the Super Bowl. For all you people outraged about halftime, shut up. Put the bottle down. Pick up a can. But on a more serious note, Super Bowl halftime show happened. 
J Lo and Shakira do their thing. Uh, I mean, if you want, expected more songs, I don't know why because they don't have more songs that anybody gives a damn about except for their hardcore fans. And the Super Bowl is not a show for hardcore fans. It's about entertainment. I thought the bondage thing was a little bit telling. Let's me know that A-Rod is some kind of freak. <laughs> and if you're upset with Jennifer Lopez for being on a pole, I get it, man. I get it. If you're upset for the outfits and the hips rocking, I, I, I understand why you'd be upset. But sex sales. The most memorable halftime show is 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 uh, Janet Jackson getting uh, revealing her breast, a nipple, sex sales man. And as much as we want to act like we are a, a a this high moral ethical culture, we're not. We like to get drunk and have sex. We like to look at people who. We like to look and fantasize about people that we can't have, right? That's what we like as a culture. I'm not speaking to you individually. I'm not speaking about me individually. Well, yeah, I am. But I'm speaking about the culture. So when you see that, you shouldn't be shocked. You shouldn't be outraged. You can be bothered by it. You can say, oh, well, I don't want my kids to see this. Send them out of the room. <laughs> Period. I've been kicked out of a room while adults were talking about things. I've been kicked out of a room when a, a, a movie was on that my mama uh, didn't approve of me watching. Kick them out of the room. Because at the end of the day, uh, 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 ain't nobody caring about them kids. They're caring about the eyes of the grown folks who have the money. Okay? But I will come out here and say that I'm a hypocrite. I am a superficial hypocrite. Because I was talking about Lizzo shaking butt at the Lakers game with a little Rakishi thong on. And I talked about how I had a problem with it because it was a family event. Which, again, I still think her shaking her ass at a random Lakers game and J-Lo doing what she did on stage for the Super Bowl. Two totally different things. Context counts, right? But... I'm a hypocrite because I had no issues with J-Lo. I didn't think nothing of it. I enjoyed it from start to end. Cheese, eggs, please. You feel me? But, but I had to take a step back and say, yeah, you know what? You had an issue with Lizzo doing that because you weren't attracted to it. And the least thing I could do is come on here and say, I'm not attracted to Lizzo, so when I saw her with her butt out, I didn't like it. It grossed me out. I didn't want to see it, and I don't want to see it again. And I don't even look at the artwork from that podcast because I don't want to see Lizzo's fat ass. Like her literal fat ass, not like her, the person, the fat ass person that she is. No, 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 no. I don't mind seeing her from the front, but from the back with nothing covering her, her butt, I don't want to see it ever, ever again. But if you want to see that, you know, more power to you. I don't judge you, you know. Uh, you, you get it how you live, baby, because I bet she ain't. I bet her, her, her DM's full, fuller than mine. Uh, not really going to get too much into the game because this is not a sports podcast. I'm going to break down X's and O's like, here, here's what happened. If they should have done this, they could have done that. But ha-ha, Kyle Shanahan, you got beat, motherfucker. ha ha Ha. When Kyle Shanahan calls plays in the Super Bowl, he gets leads and he loses. 
and I will enjoy watching this until the Falcons win the Super Bowl. And after that, I won't care. So I'll enjoy watching Kyle Shanahan suffer until he retires or I die. Whatever comes first. Because I ain't got no faith in my Falcons winning the Super Bowl. You know, it was just so beautiful to watch. If I, you know, that's, I, I didn't go public with my prediction. Because my, I didn't, I wasn't sold on it. But what I wanted, I ain't going to say my prediction. My prediction was that the 49ers would win because I thought they had the better team. But what I wanted, ideally, was the 49ers to get a big lead. And the Chiefs come back and beat them. And damn it, it happened. Two largest Super Bowl deficits, comebacks, on Kyle Shanahan called offenses. <laughs> Speaking of the Falcons, uh, the Falcons did some pretty dirty shit this week. They tweeted out that they would not be retaining Vic Beasley. And I talk about this because it hits close to home as a Falcons fan, but also as somebody from Bartow County who grew up with Vic Beasley, same graduating class, played sports with him, against him from the age of like six until uh, I retired in 2010. Now nah, 2010, yeah, yeah. So somebody I competed with and against my entire life, seeing him play on the hometown team was absolutely amazing. Absolutely loved it. And to see the Falcons... Just distastefully tweet out we will not be resigning Vic Beasley this year, this, this offseason. Well, duh, we already knew that. You, you, didn't, you didn't offer him a contract after his fourth year. You didn't, extend, you, you didn't find, offer an extension then. You made him play out his fifth-year option. He did not have a great season. He played good in spurts, as he has his entire career. He's had great spurts. But he hasn't had the consistency that we wanted from a top 10 pick. Whether it was the scheme, the cha- his constant change of position, uh, the different injuries that changed the defense, um, the offense's inability to, to get uh, early leads, which plays right into his hands as an undersized pass rusher, speed rusher. There, there's a myriad of reasons that, that the Falcons wouldn't bring him back. And I'm not going to... Fault them for not bringing him back. I'm not. Again, I would like to see him continue to play for the hometown team because I know him and I want him to be successful and I want my team to be successful. But also the fan of the Falcons in me is like, oh, well, he has not succeeded in the in the way that we've needed him to succeed at the level that we want. So I, I, I get it. You know, let's get somebody there who, who hopefully will. But there are much better ways to, to part ways let it be known that you're parting ways with this with this player. All you have to do is tell Schefter, hey, Schefter, we ain't re-signing Vic. No negotiation, no nothing. We ain't, we ain't re-signing him. And you let Schefter put out the tweet, and then you wait till whenever you want to, and you put out your, your tweet like, hey, um, you know, thank you for your five years here in Atlanta. Uh, we appreciate what you did in the 2016 season, SAG leader, all pro, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you just put that shit out there, and it's a clean, easy breakup. But instead, you uh, you do this this dirty, classless, tasteless thing going into free agency, and it shows other players the lack of respect that you have for people who have produced for you at some level. So I thought it was classless, but... It's business. 
It is business. Let's see. Oh, yeah. So, the 49ers had an after party with Lil Wayne after the Super Bowl. And people have different responses to that. Uh, the party was planned and booked prior to the determination of the game. So, if you've paid for Wayne, uh, I'm going to go see Wayne. If I lost the most important game of my life, the last thing that I, big baby the goat, would want to do is sit in a hotel room and be sad as hell by myself. I would like to get around my friends, my 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 significant other, my wife, if I had one, but I don't have one, so I don't even know why I said wife or significant other, because I ain't got now one of them, no girlfriend, no boo, no nothing. I ain't even got no hoes right now. Um... Or no bitches. Uh, <laughs> or no females. <laughs> Context counts, right? But um, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't want to be all sad and stuff. I'm like, look, man, we lost a game. Ain't no we can do about it. I left it all on the field. I'm gonna be sad about this later, but tonight we're getting fucked up. And we're gonna go vibe out with Wayne. And we're going to be the five man for five man for go DJ, you know, all that. Yeah, we turning up, baby. We in Miami. And I'm going to leave that party and I'm going to go hit the screech screech. Because fuck it, I'm in Miami. The season's over. We lost the Super Bowl. Damn. That's probably why I haven't, I'm not a successful athlete because, you know, once it's over, it's over. Ain't nothing you can do about it. So, for the people who are judgmental, uh, of them for doing that, fuck you, okay? We uh, Everybody don't grieve the same. Everybody processes shit differently, and let them process how they choose to process. They don't have to process stuff the way that you would. Well, I would never do that. Okay, you ain't got to do it. Go home, Roger. <laughs> shit. Ain't nobody forced you to go to this shit. So I, I just think that we have to get out of the old ways of, of what's right for the goose is right for the gander. No, what's right for you is what's right for you. I'm going to make my own decisions because I'm a grown-ass man. I'm going to do what makes me happy, what makes me feel better. And if getting drunk with my friends and listening to Lil Wayne perform and eating some good food makes me feel better and hopefully waking up in the morning with some cheese eggs, <laughs> some part of the night got to be good. We can't just have a, can't lose the game then have a bad night. <laughs> got to turn around somewhere. Where's the positivity? All right, enough of that shit, man. Let's talk a little... Kobe and, and Jason Whitlock, right? I don't know how many of you read uh, Jason Whitlock's letter, Dear Kobe Bryant. I'm not going to read it on this platform um, because Jason Whitlock gets enough pub. He's on Fox. He's on FS1 with his own damn show, and I'm running a multi-thousand dollar corporation right now with uh, a limited following so well uh, fuck you Whitlock you ain't getting no um you ain't getting no uh a uh, uh, shout out for me even though I just shouted you out but he wrote this letter dear Kobe Bryant a while a uh, long time ago after the um incident in Colorado and then you know he's been he's been very critical of Kobe like he's been very critical of a lot of successful black athletes and I feel like he has an agenda against black. I, I feel like he has an agenda against black athletes. I felt I felt that way at times. I don't know if I feel that way today. I, I, I just think he's. A, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about Whitlock. I'm not a fan, but he's damn good at what he does. I don't know if I like it, but he's but he's good. Anyways, so he's crying on set, 
the day, on the Monday after the tragedy happens, and the Kobe fans are coming for him. Like, you remember this letter you wrote? You fake. You like, man, look. Don't tell somebody how they feel about something. Y'all don't know. You're not the judge of how somebody gets to grieve. You're not the judge of how somebody gets to process stuff. And right, and it's not about you. It's about celebrating him, his greatness, and 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 his giving his family peace. And if somebody who was disgustingly critical got into this man's personal life in a public forum that is still available for you to read today in 2020, wants to feel bad about this person going away, because maybe he did not get to clear the air with this person. Maybe he knows that letter will forever be out there, and that's, that will always be his tie to Kobe. And maybe he doesn't want that. Maybe he's unhappy that he never got the closure with an individual who's now gone. So he responded in that way. Okay? So for y'all to, 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 to be on your fucking high horse and say, you didn't love Kobe. You don't know what was in his heart. I get his actions were foul. That letter was disgusting. There were some good things to take away from it. Some of those things needed to be said. Probably should have been said in private. And when you start talking about the wife and all this other stuff, I'm not okay with a grown man saying that because I need to put my hands on you. going to have a conversation about what me and my wife should do. Okay? But, it's, but it's Whitlock's brand. That's who he is. So when somebody's being who they be, okay. But... You can't tell somebody they're not they're not affected by something because you don't fucking know. You're not in their skin. And you can dislike him. Take that to your grave. That's between you, him, and God. All right? But y'all Kobe fans got some damn nerve. And I, I think it's pretty sick that you all want to be the, the judge of how people process pain. But I do think the the outpouring of what's been going on, celebrating Kobe's life and times, has been absolutely amazing. I, I, man, I re- went back and listened to the some of the Kobe part I did. Man, I was fucking sad as shit, man. Like, God damn. I don't ever want to be that sad on the podcast ever again. But I, I had to defend Whitlock a little bit. And, um, you know, that rarely happens. But sticking on basketball, I don't know if you all listen to... Um, all the Smoke podcast. I listen to it sometimes. It's just a struggle. I mean, because Matt Barnes, I like Matt Barnes when he come on TV shows, but that nigga be boring as hell on the pot. And Steven Jackson, he act 25 and not 45. But it is a dope podcast. I enjoy listening to it. Um, but um, KD said he's still going to have a burner. He's still with the shits. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you have an issue with it. Me, personally, I don't. Because if you want to talk shit about me all day, I should be able to be I should be able to respond to you whenever I want to, okay? I should. I should be able to respond to you. And if I can't, because I'm famous, I gotta find a way to do it. And how do I do it? Burner. Fake picture, fake name, and I'm gonna talk that shit with you. Why? Because I'm a shit talker. But luckily, I'm in this position. That I find myself into where uh, people don't criticize me uh, to my face or uh, in my comments. And if they did, we could go back and forth, baby. I want all the smoke. But 
I respect what Katie's doing. I respect the fact that he's saying, hey, look here, man, I can't fuck up my endorsements. I can't fuck up my money. But what I can do is I can talk this cash money to you. And what you going to do? Nothing. So for you old heads who don't who have a problem with it, fuck you. For you young people who have a problem with it, fuck you too. Because I was on Facebook Live, I thought I was going to be less vulgar. But the longer and longer I go, man. I just keep cussing. Uh, maybe Jimmy was right. You know, Jimmy Butler has gotten the reputation of being uh, hard to play with, uh, a locker room problem. This man, Russell Westbrook, is really just going right down the middle of the lane on the Lakers right now, just getting fouled every time because he know he can't shoot. Uh, but anyways, I'm starting to think maybe Jimmy was right. Look at what sh- happened to Chicago after Jimmy left. Train wreck. Look at the Timberwolves after Jimmy left. Playoffs, train wreck. Wiggins gone. Cat said he tired of losing after signing a, a, a max. <laughs> Motherfucker, you shouldn't have signed that max. It should have went elsewhere and you wouldn't have to deal with this. Train wreck. Look at Philly. After Jimmy left. Embiid and Simmons can't get along. The team looks better, looks happier without Embiid on the floor. Embiid's their best player. Today he played like shit. with like 1 for 11 in the first half. I don't even feel like pulling up his bad stats because he was bad against Giannis where Giannis just put it in his mouth. Pause. And, you know, Al Horford came out and said we got some problems. <laughs> Al Horford's quiet. Fuck Al Horford. But Al Horford be quiet. All the problems they had in... In Boston, last year, you heard nothing from Al Horford. But now he's talking in Philly. She'll let you know how bad it is. Maybe Jimmy was right. And now you look at the Heat, who are overachieving, who are the fourth seed in the East. They just made some moves. They are poised to be a three, maybe even a two seed, and make a nice playoff run. All under his leadership, because finally he got some young players who... He's better than who will actually listen to him and follow his leadership. And it's proving to be successful. So maybe Jimmy was right. Maybe everybody else was wrong for hating on Jimmy. And Jimmy was right. I've always been team Jimmy. Because he works hard. He, he's, he's, he's loyal. He's a dog. And you, you see it now. If you just see from where he came from when he started at Marquette, where he started with the Bulls, to now being a perennial all-star and all-NBA player, I, I, I believe in Jimmy, okay? So maybe Jimmy was right. Uh, all-star snubs. Look here. I'm not going to go too deep into all-star snubs because this is not a sports podcast. We're mad about Devin Booker. We're mad about Bradley Bill. I get it. I think they are better than players on the all-star team. I would much rather see Bradley Bill playing for the East than Chris. Fucking Middleton, my God, give me a pillow and a blanket. He's a a fucking nap. But I'm also aware that people on bad teams who have great stats don't always get rewarded. Well, what about Trey Young? He's a starter. There's a fan vote that's involved in naming starters. Trey Young is top four in the league in points and assists. Guess what that means? You're an all-star starter. Okay, period. Funny joke about period. 
Um, I thought Facebook posted said most of you hoes smell like your favorite word. Period. <laughs> Shout out to finesse. <laughs> that boy a fool. Love you, cuz. But anyways, um, when when you when you see you got the Brandon Ingrams versus your your Devin Booker, okay, Devin Booker may have better numbers. The teams are comparable, but the numbers are really close. It all gets down to preference. Who do people like more? How does the league feel about you? How do other coaches feel about you? How does the media feel about you? All these different things go into that. And and the thing that works well for Brandon Ingram is he's showing progression from his time with the Lakers to his time with the Pelicans. So it feels like a better story. And as a Duke fan, I have no problem with it. Yes, I'm biased. So you have to understand, as a fan, before you get upset about a player who you think should be in the All-Star game getting snubbed, that it's not just about the best player. It's not about just the numbers. It's, it's deeper than that. Some people want to look at it. There's analytics. I don't. I just understand that people don't like to reward losers. They don't like to reward selfish players. So if you're one of those, or if you're both, if you're a selfish player and a loser, if you're a malcontent, you're not a great teammate. And I'm not saying these guys are good or bad teammates because I'm not on their team. I don't follow NBA beats enough to know. But it's it makes all the difference. So don't be mad about these people for being snubbed because I agree they uh, are better for the All-Star game. Because Malcolm Brogdon, not Malcolm Brogdon, I'm sorry. Chris Middleton is not is not an All-Star player. I don't care how good his numbers are. I don't care what he does. To my eyes, he is not an All-Star player. To my eyes, Bradley Bill is the motherfucking truth. And he's on my fantasy basketball team. And, um... Uh, I started out slow, but once Oladipo gets back, I'm winning the league, baby. Yeah, Red, Oppo, uh, 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 who else else in the league? Yeah, I'm going to win that shit. Come back, baby. What else we got to talk about? I'm about out of topics. Uh, the NBA trade, line, trade deadline has been very interesting. Um, I think that... Um, the the trade the the Cleveland trade was dumb. It was a waste of a trade, but I'm not really going to get too deep into trades because again, this is not a sports podcast. No, 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 no. This is pop culture. Okay, wrong phone. Let me go to this phone. I got a nice little screenshot for y'all that I want to read if I can get to my pictures because I don't know if you're aware. Andre Drummond got traded to the Cavaliers for uh, a, a a bunch of nickels. But I mean, he's he's a he's a shiny nickel, you know. What I mean, he is worth something, but it don't equate to shit. Uh, let's see. Here we go. And I quote: If there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons, and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business. I love you, Detroit. <laughs> Nigga, duh. It's 2000. It's 2012. This is 12. In 2020, you saw what what they did to uh, uh, the Rosen in Toronto. He was a high, better player than you, was more successful with his team and more productive than you. You're tradable. CP3 got traded this summer. Russell Westbrook got traded this summer. Andre Drummond. Oh, they didn't tell me they were going to trade me. You see what happened to your, your teammate, your old teammate, Blake Griffin? They done sold him and showed his jersey up in the rafters, gave him the Supermax. 
Then traded him. Same season. Now, oh, you know loyalty? The law, the, the GM's loyalty is to making the team the best team possible. And if you don't make the team the best team possible, bye. It's a cold world. It sucks to wake up in the morning and be like, oh, damn, bro, I got to move. I got a new job in a new city. But, I mean, the move Detroit to Cleveland is not a bad one. I mean, you're right there. At least you ain't got to move across the country. You know what I'm saying? And, yes, I know it would hurt. I'm not going to sit and act like, oh, you should just be numb to it. But that post was pointless. You know it's a business. You, you, you've been in the league long enough to see people get traded. They ain't got to tell you, though. Hey, we might be trading you. Because then you might start talking and ruin your value. And the team has to make the best decision for the team. That is their job. It cannot be personal. Now, you would like to have a level of personability when you do it. But at the end of the day, if players get shocked by being traded, if they get hurt by being traded, they feel like the team betrayed them. Unless your team pulls like a, a Blake Griffin, I'm not even going to say a DeRozan because if I can get Kawhi for DeRozan, oh, bye, DeRozan. You fucking DeRozan. Can, you can fucking Kevin go. No. So for him to be betrayed, feel betrayed by that, I just think it's ignorant. And he needs to swallow his pride, get over himself, and realize that he is just a cog in the NBA machine. A highly compensated cog. And I'm glad you love Detroit because somebody needs to. All right. What else we got left on this list? Um, quickly, I, I think the Rockets championship window has closed and Daryl Morey will no longer be there. I don't see him being there past two years. Um, Tillman Fertitta is an egomaniac who his family bought the UFC. Now he wants to dabble in basketball. He has like a book. I think it's called like like Shut the Fuck Up and Listen or some shit like that. Um, let me look that up. I have a computer right here. I can I can fact check that. Let me see. Tillman Fertitta Fertitta book. Shut up and listen. Hard business truths that will help you succeed. All right. So that's the owner of the Rockets. The new owner of the Rockets, who. Um, has been applying pressure. He made uh, Mike D'Antoni change his whole damn, co- clean out his whole coaching staff, which lets you know D'Antoni's gone after uh, after after this year. If they don't if they don't get to the Western Conference Finals at the least, if not in the finals, he's gone. And they're not going to get there because they're not good enough. And then the fact that he made that they made the trade for Westbrook and I and Daryl Morey's. Daryl Morey's, uh, everything about him is get good players, get good players, but he's also a big analytics analytics guy. He cares about court space and shooting and all of that. That's why they shoot so many threes. Swapping out James, not James Harden, swapping out Chris Paul and Russell, and Russell Westbrook is not okay. And James Harden just got hurt. Reporting live, James Harden is hurt. Uh, let's see what the diagnosis is going to be. But... That did not seem like a Daryl move, and not that I know Daryl personally, because I don't. Not that I have any close sources, because I don't. I've just followed the NBA enough to know that um, this doesn't seem like a Daryl move. Then they got rid of their rim runner, who plays right into Harden's style of play. So it, it just none of this stuff is making sense here, and I think that this impulsive 
rich billionaire who thinks he knows every damn thing is going to end up running out one of the best, overrated, but one of the best basketball minds uh, from his franchise. And you're going to see the uh, Rockets drop from uh, uh, one of the top end franchises of the league to a middle tier to maybe even lower end franchise of the league. Um, That's my bold prediction on the Rockets. Uh, Is there anything else we got left on sports? Oh, yeah, the, the, I, I talked, I went on the Nets and we talked about the Mookie Betts trade. And initially I was like, yeah, if he doesn't want to resign, let him go. Uh, just just my 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 sports brain, not my sports, my, my non-fan brain thinking. Like, look, if he doesn't want to take 10 years, 300, he wants he wants 400 million, let him go. But then when it when he gets traded, it kind of comes out that he wanted to be in Boston and Boston is stuck on getting under the tax for what? Um, you got rid of one of the top two players in the league. I, I don't think you let that walk out of the door for money that you have. And with the money that you're going to spend, are you going to actually replace him with better talent? But I'm not going to get into the, the X's and O's of the trade because, again, this is not a sports podcast. It's is this just racist Boston culture resurfacing again? I mean, the Red Sox have traditionally been a racist organization. A lot of black people have had negative experiences with Boston. They feel like it's a racist city. I don't know. I haven't spent enough time there, and I'm not going to sit here and shit on Boston. And outside of the Braves, I've been a Red Sox fan uh, most of my uh, sports-watching life. So I, I like the team, but are they just showing their ugly racist roots by not trying to pay the brother man? <laughs> because, I mean, he ain't white. He ain't Dominican. He ain't Mexican. He ain't Asian. He ain't none of that. He's a black man from Tennessee. <laughs> um, But hopefully he comes out to L.A., he gets paid, and I don't want him to win a World Series because I'm rooting for the Braves. But... I, I still understand the baseball move, but it's just a it's just a question I ask. Is it, you know? So, transitioning to the final topic of the day, I, I just want you guys to think about something. It's Black History Month, and I see all these crazy Black History posts, and I appreciate everybody for for bringing attention to Black History Month. Because it's very important that we bring attention to Black History Month during Black History Month. It's important that we talk about the different contributions that black Americans have brought to America, (laughs) have brought to America, despite the way most of us came here. And as a black American descendant of slaves, I take pride in my heritage. Much of it I don't know. But I take pride in coming from a race of people who were who were stripped from where we came from, brought here to be uncompensated day laborers, beaten, emasculated, ripped from our families, demeaned, and just mistreated throughout our history here in this country, whether it was slavery whether it was Jim Crow, whether it was, whether it's now mass incarceration, 
whatever the case may be, I take pride in coming from that because I, I look at some of the things that I've been able to endure. I look at some of the things that my mom was able to endure. I look at some of the things that my grandparents were able to endure. I look at some of the things that my dad was able to endure. I look at things that people around me who I don't know personally were able to get through and and I take pride in being where I am despite the long, hard road. And I think it's important for us to reflect on that and all the great people who helped us get to this point. But more importantly, we can't confine it to February. Don't tell me you're going to be extra black because it's Black History Month. Embrace your blackness every single day that you live. Try to learn more. Try to be better. Try to break down walls. Try to change stereotypes because we are great people. We're, we're, we're not what they call us. Like, like what, what did Nas say? We're N-I-W-G-E-R. We are much more, yet we choose to ignore the obvious. This nation don't acknowledge us. We were scholars way before colleges. Right? But you can still be a nigga. You can be that nigga. You can be a real-ass motherfucking nigga. Just remember, context counts. And we just don't want to box ourselves in to only celebrate our greatness in February. Celebrate it every day by your thoughts, your actions, your interactions, everything that you do. Be the best you that you can be. And, I mean, this goes for everybody, man. Just take pride in who you are. More importantly, black people. Say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. Big baby act.